Well, again, my name is Stuart Mazell, and I am the lead pastor here. It's great to see all of you. Thank you for those of you who joined us online. Uh, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we are continuing in a series we started last week that we're calling Navigating a Confusing Culture. And last week, we looked at how if we're going to make decisions about how to navigate through the labyrinth of the decisions we have to make in our crazy, confusing world, that we need to start with the gospel. We need to start with the good news of Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we would be his. How do we live that out? Today is a a little bit of an extension of that, but we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 22. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, the good news that Matthew wrote about Jesus. And we're looking at chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And here's what Matthew wrote about Jesus. He says, but when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees. Now, just really quickly, those are two different religious groups during that time. They gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So they were asking Jesus a question to try to get at him. Verse 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Uh, Let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, would you by your spirit give us insight into how to understand this passage, how it applies to our lives, and how we are to live according to it. And Lord, I, I know that Every one of us here today, we're coming with something different on our minds. Will you meet us right where we are? Believer, unbeliever alike. Those of us who are on cloud nine and those of us who are in the depths of despair. Those of us who want to uh, know how to walk through this life faithfully and those who are not sure we even believe. Lord, wherever we are, Meet us where we are by your spirit and give us ears to hear so that we will grow one step closer uh, to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, the English language is the most spoken language in the world. Did you know that? The number of people who speak English is somewhere in the vicinity of 1.5 billion people. 1.5 billion people. And the interesting thing to note about that is that those who speak English as a second language outnumber the people who speak it as their first language. In fact, according to one source, two-thirds of the world's English speakers speak it as a second language. Two-thirds. And to all those who speak English as a second language, I apologize. Because English is just straight up confusing. 
I mean, sometimes English seems to defy logic. For example, look at these words. Is that base or bass? Close or close? Dove or dove? Lead or lead? Minute or minute? Record or record? Tear or tear? Wound or wound? I don't know. Could be either one. Or look at this, plurals. The plural of box is boxes, but the plural of ox is oxen. How does that make sense? The plural of goose is geese, but the plural of moose is moose. The plural of house is houses, but the plural of mouse is mice. And then there's child and children and tooth and teeth. Where does this come from? And then image three, look at these words. They mean the same thing. Flammable and inflammable mean the exact same thing. If you don't believe me, look it up in the dictionary. Look at this one. Every sea in Pacific Ocean is pronounced differently. Pacific Ocean. How can you make sense of this? And then uh, image number five. This grouping of words can actually be a sentence. Now you're probably looking at it and it says it's missing a verb. But if you read it, the wise, the, sorry, the wise man the boat, it's a sentence. Confusing, right? And then one more, just because I like this one. This is a sentence that can actually be spoken in English. All the money she had 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 no effect on her life. You can actually say that in English and get away with it. English is confusing. But you know what's more confusing than English? Life. Life is so much more confusing than English. And all of us have to deal with life with the crazy things that come up, with the confusing issues that come before us. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Life can be confusing, but loving God helps us to navigate the confusion. Life can be so confusing, but loving God helps us to navigate the confusion. Let's take a look at this passage from Matthew to see how that plays out. So verse 34, when the Pharisees, one group of religious leaders during Jesus' day, heard that he, that Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, that's another religious group, they gathered together, and then they're plotting together. And one of them, a lawyer, comes up to Jesus with a question to test him. And in verse 36 he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he thought that he was going to catch Jesus. Because you know how hard it is to figure out what's the most important command that God could give? You know how hard that would be to like narrow that down? Of all the commands God gave, what's the most important? And he thought he had Jesus. But then, verse 37, Jesus answers him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. 
Now this is where we're going to focus, but I do want to finish up the passage. Verse 39, and a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Quick commercial, we're going to talk about that verse next week. Verse 40, on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Everything that was written in the scriptures, they, they hang on these two commands. Love God, love neighbor. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to love God. And you may be saying, well, how does loving God help me to navigate the confusions of life? And that's what I want to deal with today. The first is we have to recognize that what Jesus says here is that loving God is of utmost importance. Loving God is of utmost importance. There is nothing greater, nothing more important than loving God. That's what Jesus says here. Verse 37, he says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. It's the great and first commandment. Now, you may be thinking, well, maybe he meant first as in the first commandment that was given. But that's not how he's using this phrase, as we see in the Gospel of Mark that also talks about this passage. And in Mark, we see it very clearly spelled out. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well, he had Jesus had answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no, greater, there is no other command greater than these. There is no greater command than these two commands, and the greatest of those two is to love God. Hopefully everybody sees that. So, when we're trying to make decisions about how, how do we navigate in the confusion, H how do we choose between option A and option B when there are choices before us, we really need to ask the question, how do I love God with this decision? That really ought to be the first question that we ask. Most of us tend to make decisions based on what we think is best for us, right? Or perhaps what's best for our tribe, for our group, for our folks, for our people. Or maybe, if we're feeling really generous, we make decisions based on what we think is best for people as a whole. But how many times when we're making a decision do we stop and say, how do I love God with this decision? The one who created me. The, the one who right now by his power is overseeing and governing everything that goes on in my life. 
I mean, think about the issues of our day, issues about abortion, issues about abuse, issues about corruption, issues about justice, issues about racism and classism, issues about gender and sexuality, issues about money, issues about marriage, issues about relationships. What if for each one of those issues, we started not with our opinions, not with how we feel about it, not with what other people may be saying about it, but we started with what does God want me to do in this situation because I want to love him? How would that change the way we're approaching those questions? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John writes this, For this is the love of God. You want to know what loving God looks like? That we keep his commandments. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. See, this is where we get all off, right? Because most of the time when we hear the word command... We're thinking, oh, this is something that is going to, it's going to harsh my flow. It's going to like get all up in my grill and get in my business. And I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. But if, for those of you who were here last week, and for those of you who weren't, last week we talked about some of this. Think about it. God designed you. So who knows you better? God does. And God not only designed you, but he designed the world we live in and the laws by which this world operates. He designed all of that. He knows what's best for us. And so when he gives us a command, it's really for our good. He is a good, good father because he loves us enough to say, this is how life ought to be lived. And if you are not living that way, you're beating your head up against the wall. And you're going to get hurt. You know, so many times, we, we, all, have these we all have these impulses. These impulses that we think, if I do this, this will be good for me. Like, there are times when I go to a restaurant and I look on the menu, and for those of you who know me, you know this about me, if there is a big nasty burger on that menu, and I don't mean just a burger, I mean a big nasty burger. I mean one that has an egg on it, bacon on it, guacamole on it. I mean, you put, put whatever you want on it. If somebody made, if Hardee's made a burger where they had a burger and then a, a fried pork chop on top and some hot dogs on top of that and then put the gravy on it, I would probably eat it. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But I will say, that's not good for me. And my doctor tells me that. And my wife tells me that. You know, sometimes we're out at restaurants and I'm like, oh, I want to get this. And she's like, you know, that's probably not very good for you. I'm like, oh, you're right. I'll get the salad with the chicken. 
but that's somebody who's saying something because they care about me. They love me. And they know what's best for me. And my impulses are to go in a different direction. That's the way we are with God. Our impulses are to go in a different direction than what God has said. But what God is saying to us isn't meant to ruin our fun. It is to give us life, goodness, the way things were supposed to be in the first place. So whenever we're facing a decision and we're trying to figure out which way should I go, we need to ask, how do I love God? I love God by obeying his commandments. Has God commanded anything about these things? And if he has, do that. But that's too easy. That, that can actually let some of you off the hook, because you go, okay, well, yeah, don't murder, got that one. Don't commit adultery, I got that one. Don't steal. I haven't robbed a bank. Right? And, and we can... We can convince ourselves that we're actually obeying what God has commanded, not realizing that loving God involves our everything. Loving God involves our everything. It's not just, I have to make a decision. Let me see if there's a command. If there's a command about it, then I'll do it this way or not, and not that way, and I've loved God. No, loving God involves everything we are, not just the decisions, not just applying a command to one particular area. It involves everything. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind everything that you are, from your soul to your body, your very DNA is the cry out in love to God. That's the way you were designed to be. So it's not just trying to obey outwardly, it's what's going on on the inside. Let me tell you something that uh, this week, it, it really hit me hard. You know, as a pastor, I'm called to serve God. That's what I'm called to do. And I realized one can serve God and not love him. You think about those uh, old British shows where they've got like a butler, you know, and the, and the rich family, and there's a butler there. Now, sometimes the butler loves the family, and sometimes the butler just despises the family. But he serves them because he knows he has to get something from them. So in other words, he's using their goodness to get something for himself, but he doesn't love them. How many times have we, have I, served God, done the right thing, but we did not do it because we love God? We did it because we know 
well, if I do that, I'm going to get in trouble. Or if I do that, things will be worse for me. Or if I do that, somebody might find out and they might say something mean to me. Loving God with everything that we are is more than just saying, have I not murdered anyone? Okay, I'm good. It's what is my attitude toward other people? It's not just saying, have I committed adultery? It's asking, have I looked at someone lustfully and wanted to use them? It's not just about stealing. It's about looking at someone, what someone else has and saying, I wish I had that. And not being content. Do you see what I'm saying? It's about the attitude of the heart. And God's pointing that out to us. He's saying there's something wrong inside of each one of you. And you need to recognize that. You're called to love me with everything you are, but you're going against the grain of the way I designed you to be. I designed you to love me with everything you are, and you're loving other things more than me. It reminds me of this passage from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read this quickly, but listen to these words. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty because people will be lovers of self. Boy, in an age where we have self-esteem and self-help and self-this and self-that and self-the-other, that sure sounds like us. Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Loving pleasure, loving the gifts that God gives more than we love God himself. You know what that's called? Idolatry. And, and we tend to think I, idols are those things, that those statues that people bow down to, but anything that you love more than God is an idol. And sometimes it's pleasure that we love more than God. Sometimes it's the gift that we love more than God. So when we come up with these decisions, we not only have to ask, what does God say about this? I want to love him. We also have to ask, what's going on inside me? What do I love more than God? Do I love pleasure more than God? Do I love comfort more than God? Do I love money more than God? Do I love whatever it is more than God? Do I? And if you can say, yes, I do love these things more than God, then... Even if you do the right thing, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And God says, you got to clean that up too. <laughs> well, how do I clean that up? Because I can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. How do we clean that up? Well, that's the good news. How do we love God if we're so messed up? We love God because he first loved us. 
We are enabled to love God because he loved us first in Christ Jesus. We, we, by the Holy Spirit's power, we're enabled to love God because God reveals to us that he loved us first. We see that in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. And how has God loved us? Romans 5, 8. This passage hits me hard every time I stop to really think about it. God shows his love for me, for you, for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still broken and messed up, while we were still going the wrong way, God saying, no, go this way. No, but we want to go that way. All those impulses that are wrong and evil and bad, all those things that are on the inside, while we were doing those things, God showed his love that Christ died for us. Who would you die for? Maybe you would say, well, I would die for my kids, die for my spouse, die for my family. If push came to shove, yeah, I I would do it. But would you die for the drug addict murderer rapist who's across town? Probably not. And yet, Jesus shows us that kind of love. That we have fallen so short of the way God designed us to be, and yet God says... I'm loving you in the midst of your mess, in the midst of those evil impulses, in the midst of you going astray, in the midst of you doing all these things that are not right. I love you, and I'm going to prove it to you. Here's Jesus dying for you. And not just dying, but rising from the dead so that you will be with him forever if you believe. So that's the real question right now. You want to love God more? You got to start with Jesus. You got to start there and recognize God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his son. So that we would have life. So that we would be with him forever. So that we would be forgiven of our sins. So that we would have the curse reversed. So your action point for today. When you're facing confusing issues, identify the focus of your love. Now, I know that sounds kind of fancy. A fancy way of just saying, ask yourself the question, who am I loving? What am I loving? What's the focus of my love right now? And maybe if you're like me and you want that big, juicy, nasty burger that is really tempting you, maybe you start not by saying, I really want that. I feel like that would be really good for me. I don't care whether it'll mess up my arteries. I want that. 
Rather than starting with those things, you start with what would God want me to do in this situation? What does God want me to do to show love to him? And that may not be clear, but at least you're asking the right question. How do I love God? And am I loving my belly more than I'm loving God? Am I loving my taste buds, the pleasure of eating more than I'm loving God? And if so, whether you eat or you don't eat, that's the problem. Loving something more than God. And Jesus has come to say, no, you don't have to do that. I have died and risen from the dead to save you from that, to rescue you from that, so that you can identify the focus of your love being God, your Father, who loves you and who has given you so much. So, folks, here's what I'm asking all of us to do. By the power of the Spirit, And in the name of Christ, let's grow in our love for God. And we do so by starting with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, um, I confess that uh, it is so easy to put things before you. my own pleasures, my own likes and dislikes. And I know that's the same for people here. Holy Spirit, would you please meet us where we are? And whatever it is we're struggling with, whatever it is we're wrestling with, whatever thing that we think is shiny and beautiful, that you would show us more of your beauty, that you'd show us more of your goodness, and and that we would see the good gifts that you've given to us as something underneath your goodness so that we would love you first and foremost above everything else, above every other relationship, above every other thing, that we really would give you our everything, that we, as we're about to sing, that you would take our lives and let it be consecrated for you. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.